Okay, so, you know, last night I'm attacked at 3 o'clock, first time in longest time I can think of. I mean, it's been probably two months since I've had these episodes. Around the time that Jill and I were going through all of our mess, and then some times where I was disobedient, where we were having premarital sex and I knew I shouldn't, I was getting filleted like a fish. I mean, woken up almost every night. It, there was a about a week and a half period where I would be woken up every single night Almost right on the dot, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'd, I'd roll, I didn't have to look at the clock. It'd be 3.02, 3.01, 3.04. I mean, just, and then I couldn't go back to sleep. Just attacked. Da, 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 da. That happens last night. And I am going through what I'm going to say when I'm at school with the kids. How the treat, teachers are going to treat me. I'm visualizing all that. The enemy's getting me all worked up. And then I'm in court. You know, on the 24th, rehearsing that. And that's the way the enemy does. He gets me yeah. ruminating. Awfulizing. Awfulizing and ruminating. That is great. That's a new word I'm going to own. Awfulizing. Yes. So he got me doing that. I had to turn music on last night. Just real light to try and go back to sleep. And I was like, man, I hope they can't hear that. It was on my phone. Went back to sleep. I think I went back to sleep at 5. So I was up for two hours in the middle of the night. I come out here. She can kind of see it on me. I've been doing my devotions. All of my devotions, I mean, I'm on Charles Stanley, Greg Laurie, um, Oswald Chambers, um, opening the scripture to a couple of places I felt led to go. It was all about perseverance and patience and enduring. I mean, that's what God's been just lining me up, like, keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. So I'm like, okay, Lord. But I am told you yesterday, and you overheard the, all the oppression, that I'm just feeling the oppression from the enemy. That's in one of the devotions. Just God confirming everything. Like, I, this is no longer a guesswork. If something comes out of my mouth from the Holy Spirit, it's going to end up being in a devotional or somewhere in the next 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So all that happens. She walks out here, and I have pretty much decided I'm not going tonight to open house at the mm-hmm. school's church because I've just decided it just creates such a spirit of awkwardness and it's almost not even good for the kids, and it's just weird and all this stuff, okay? She says, no, you need to go. It's not your responsibility what the priest's thinking, not your responsibility what the teachers are thinking. You need to walk in integrity. You're the father. You have It's, an, it's a neutral area. I loved what you said about that. You should go. You have every right to be here that she is. I knew instantly as she was talking, I should go, because I had played that out as one of the scenarios in my head. So I knew, okay, I'm supposed to go. The other thing I told her I was confused about was what do I do on trial on the 24th? Am I supposed to just go stand like Jesus and not say a word? Uh, because the Lord showed me Matthew 5.39. Do not resist an evil person. If one smacks you on one cheek, turn it on the other. If they sue you for your cloak, give them your tunic. If they ask you to go one mile, go with them two. Paul says the fact that you have lawsuits between you as Christians means you've already been completely defeated. Not partially, not on your way. He says you've already been completely defeated. Why not rather be wronged or cheated? All scriptures God showed me, so I'm saying, okay, I know. This is in line with 555, Jerusalem's deliverance foretold. Don't defend yourself. King David and Saul and the king. This whole theme God is giving me about don't defend yourself. Vengeance belongs to me. I will handle this, and I'm going to do this. I heard in my spirit. I'm going to do this in such a way that will bring me glory. It isn't going to be because you have the bigger attorney. That was the theme of non-defense going into the divorce. Right. But now you can see I was partially disobedient, partially God partially obedient. God says, this is why you're still not divorced. 
because you didn't fully obey me. You panicked, got at the end of your rope, and you began to question. You began to, I began to do what the enemy does. I began to say, isn't it true that you did this? Isn't it true that you did this to my own wife? You see? And God says, nope, can't do that. You messed up. So that brings me to, okay, Lord, where's my position now going into the 24th? I've been accused of all 15 of these things. You've told me not to defend myself. I don't dare want to do anything to get outside of his will. I mean, I'll go to jail thinking I'm being obedient and be wrong rather than to be disobedient and try to get the right answer. That's it for me, period, end of story. So I shared this with her. And she brought up the only other scripture that tangles in with the resistant evil person that actually seems to contradict it a certain bit. It says, if you find yourself on your way to court with your adversary, he's saying, be quick to be in agreement with your adversary on your way, for I tell you the truth. You may end up in jail and not get out until you've paid the last penny. And I've asked the father, Lord, that seems to contradict not resisting an evil person and the whole suing thing. Give them this. Instead, you're saying, come into agreement with them? I don't understand. Settle matters quickly? I don't get it. She shares, the Lord gave her the insight that agreeing with your enemy, agreeing with your adversary is to basically declare the truth. Not to defend, defend, or further accusations or throw stones back, but to agree. So the example was, I'm guilty of signing the kids up for the YMCA without checking with This is a rule she has put in her parenting agreement that I can't put the kids with any care providers outside of me or my parents without checking with her first. Okay, So the fact of the matter is, yes, Your Honor, that's true. That's me agreeing with my adversary. That's the truth. What she tells me is you should speak the truth to each of these accusations and trust God for the results. And the second she says this to me, I feel instant peace in my heart. This is this is the answer. The whole truth. See, that's a portion of the truth. Yes, I did sign them up, and this is why. This is my reason. This is. I, oh yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm leaving that out. Yeah. But that's an obvious point to me. I'm sorry. Well, that's an important point that could be omitted. It is. Yeah. You seek the whole truth. Be thorough. In the interest of the whole truth and nothing but. The truth. I had total peace when you said that. I knew that that was the answer. That God gave me the answer through you this morning. So those two things happen. And then as you know, I would leave at about 11.45 to head to Baldassar's house. And he's on a short string today, schedule-wise, very tight. And I'm supposed to be going to his house to um, help him set up his video studio. He's, he's, he's got a little challenge in shooting some things he wants my expertise on. So as you know, before we leave, you and I have a conversation about Baldassar. Mm-hmm. And do you remember me sharing to you my concerns about every time I'm with him, I see there's more separation between us as God continues to pull me further and further away from the world. I have this friend whom I love dearly. Twelve years ago at a dinner table, he said to me, Mike, is what you're saying to me that if I don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to hell? And in front of his wife and my wife, I said, Brent, that's exactly what I'm saying. And this was a fairly new relationship. He was a businessman, a doctor. I was a gym owner in the same shopping center. And he respected me so much for telling him that. He just couldn't believe that I would be so bold to say that to him right in front of everybody. And I said it in love, but I said it with absolute conviction. He wasn't a Christian. So he becomes a Christian. And he's a very successful business owner, made millions of dollars in real estate, and then watched it all collapse and has been sued for on the hook for 20 to $40 million. At one point, he had 16 different businesses 
He has a million-dollar chiropractic office, and the guy is just brilliant. Mm -hmm. He is so smart. He is, of any person that's not a sold-out, spirit-filled Christian, this guy gets it. You could explain to him anything you're talking about, and he will get it. It's just, he's, a, he's, a, he's an anomaly. He really is a, just a treasure of a guy, so brilliant and yet so emotionally connected. Mm-hmm. Understands the emotional stuff of life. Uh-huh. Has a powerful story. Larry and I know him. I've introduced Larry and him because I've tried to get you two to connect it because you could be a great influence in him in his life. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy who's so talented, he continues to chase success. Anybody that has 16 different companies has got some priorities that maybe are a little bit spun out. You with me? Might be. Might be. Okay. So, Larry and I have this conversation this morning, and I said, yes. And I said, man, you guys have got to get together. You even said, I need to get together with him. You felt a sense to get together with him. Mm -hmm. So I get to his house, give him the big old hug. haven't seen you in forever. He's just raced in. We walk in the house, and he says, how you doing, man? You know, what's going on? And I said, brother, I'm just continuing to endure the suffering and enjoying the ride and learn more about God than I ever have. He says, the suffering, he goes, is that, do you mean physical suffering, like pain, or, you know, or is it still all the stuff, and with all that, I said, oh, no, it's all that spiritual stuff, divorce stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff, and he started to ask me about it, like, how would you define this, and all that, and I said, you know, I started to define it, and talk about what the Bible says about it, and three minutes into it, he says, I just have to stop you, he says, I have to tell you something, he says, I honestly am so in a time crunch right now. He says, I don't have a time to go there completely with you right now because I just don't have time to cry today. He says, I know it sounds ridiculous. He said, but I got to be back to that office in one hour. He said, but I've got to share something with you. So he cuts me off. I haven't even been in the house three minutes. Takes me to his office, walks over to his desk, and he says, I have something in here, and the only person I'm supposed to show it to is you. He pulls out this card And he hands me this card. He says, our pastor at church asked us one day to something to the effect of answer the question of what is it that stands between you and and God doing everything he wants to do in your life, what have you. So some question like that that prompted him. And he has this revelatory moment that he's not shared with anybody. And when he asked God who he was supposed to share it with, I came on his mind. Mm -hmm. This was a couple weeks ago. And he writes on this card about this on-again, off-again relationship he has with God. And he then directly relates it on this card to the fact that he never had a father in his life. And so he attributes negativity to the word father. And he has associated that negativity to his relationship with God. He's sharing this with me and he starts to get the tears in his eyes and I just, the Holy Spirit comes upon me and I am just so, I'm like, I am here right now for this very moment. I have been praying for this brother. I have been speaking to this guy in his life now for 10 years. Sar calls me his mentor. He thinks I'm his mentor because I went through everything he's going through 50 yards ahead of him, like the big lawsuits and being sued and losing everything. So he would call me as I would go through these things. Here I am nothing and he would call me and say you know you're my mentor in this you know and da 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 and he's always had he says I, he's my biggest fan and I am one of his biggest fans kind of like you and I the next thing I know <clears throat> we're not talking anything about the video stuff right he pulls up a chair and says sit in the chair and we start to talk mm-hmm. 
And what happens over the next 30 minutes, I would have given anything if I could have recorded it. I had several times I thought, oh my God, there's just something so wrong about recording this, but I would give anything if I could record this moment and capture it, both for him Mm -hmm. and I, because it was incredibly edifying. And over the next 30 minutes, I got the opportunity to to full on hit him with the gospel. I mean, and the deep, deep truths of God, things that he's questioning in his mind, things in scripture he doesn't understand and doesn't really see how things work. And I got got just one scripture after another, just unloaded on this guy, the Holy Spirit did. And he says to me, he says, Mike, he says, you just changed my life in 30 minutes. He said, but here's the problem with it. It's not good enough. He said, one person is not good enough. He said, man, you know I have always been your biggest fan. He said, When are you going to be unleashed on the world? He said, because the world needs to have... He said, I've never seen anything like... And I'm embarrassed about telling you about this part because he was was way too braggatory. So please forgive me of this, but I just want to... There's a lesson to it at the end, so just bear with me. So he, yes, he gushes and he says, I've never met another human being in my life that loves the Lord Jesus Christ like you do. I've never met anybody that I've seen that is this committed that stays going and going. You never give up. You just keep going. He says, man, I have seen you crash and burn in business, lose a million dollar business. I have seen you on the evening news being persecuted and accused for a whole week. I've seen you be a prisoner in your own home, can't go to a grocery store within five miles of your house. I've seen you go through a terrible business loss I've seen you go through a divorce. I've seen you go through your kids being put in the the NICU unit when they were born through this. And he starts naming all this stuff. He says, you never give up. You never quit. God is just saying, that looks like Norma's talking to me. When Norma says, I never see nothing like this. You just don't let go of the tow rope. Remember, Norma said that to me that one night at dinner. He's now edifying the same thing. See, I don't see myself like this. I'm beginning to see how... I'm beginning to see how other people see my walk because it looks just like what everybody else goes through to me and I'm starting to see that it doesn't to other people. So he says all these things and he says, man, I am anxious. He said, I want to see now what God is going to do through you. He said, you got to get out there. He says, what are you waiting for? He says, Mike, you keep waiting. And he says, there's people suffering right now. And he's speaking to me just like this. People are suffering right now while you're waiting. And I'm just letting him get it all out and get it all out and get it all out. And he says, what are you doing, man? What What are you waiting for? He says, I know what God, he said, I've been waiting for years to see what God is gonna do with you. Because I know, I've told you what you're designed for. I've known this about you forever. And... I basically ended up having to tell him, I said, I know it's difficult to understand. I said, but my time has not yet come. I said, but I will give you some relief. We're close. I said, God has told me we're close. I said, but what you're seeing is God break me. I said, Brent, you remember all that pride and that ego? He goes, yeah, I don't see that anymore. I said, because it's gone. God has abolished it. But only through, it's been three years, three and a half years. I said, look how long it's taken me to get really, if you count the gym, we're coming up on 13 years of, a, of, of hell. That's, by the way, exactly how long Joseph was in hell. 
he was in prison and exile and all that for a 13-year period, from what I recall at one point. So anyhow, he, I, I shared this with him, and I said, my time's not yet come. God is breaking me of all the self-sufficiency. God is breaking me of all the pride. And I ended up having to tell him the story. I said, you want to hear what humility is for me? I said, do you know how I got down here, Brent? I had to sell my grandfather's ring that I've had since I was five, or since I was a graduate of high school, since I wanted, since I was five. He's been dead for eight years. It's one of my treasures. It's like the only treasure. I sold it and two other pieces of jewelry for 325 bucks to get down here. God is putting the squeeze on me, and I'm okay. And he was enamored with the fact that I have this peace, that I'm not crushed by it, because he's going through a lot of adversity. So then he begins to tell me, he says, Mike, I'm done with this success stuff. He said, I have finally seen it for what it is. I am no longer going to chase the success. I see it for what it is. And I know there's some things in my way, and I want to tell you more and talk to you more about it. And then we just began to, I just began to encourage him and tell him how proud of him I was and thank him for all the encouragement. But I walked out of that, I cried going down the street. Because to see another brother whose lights are coming on and he's sitting here telling me what an influence I've been on his life. And he sees all the things I'm doing and the witness and all of that. And meanwhile, I think, you know, he's just off doing his thing. He keeps in touch with me and I keep in touch with him. But I don't share with him like I do with you guys about some of the things that are going. He's not in that same circle. So I walked out of there and I just like, I was like, God, look at what you are doing in the midst of the suffering. Your redemption. Okay, so that happens. I leave. I'm blessed. Then I have my meeting with Antonio, which was just incredible. I cannot wait for you guys to meet this man. Mm -hmm. You are going to love him. Huh? Dave's coming Sunday? Yes. Good. He is a black man version of her. <laughs> he is gentle. He is slow. And this brother has experienced more adversity than, than I have ever even come close to. He told me a story tonight, guys. You are going to be so blessed. I'll give you the quick version. You're going to meet Antonio. Yeah. I said, Antonio, you got to tell this story. And you guys are going to be blown away when you hear the story. It is... This is not a story you can just tell anybody. It is unbelievable. Where did you meet him from? He was in the back of my seminar at Bellhaven University, okay. and the Lord said, I want you to go meet that man. Oh, okay. I tried to avoid him for two weeks. And finally, out of my integrity, I said, I told him I was going to meet with him. I'm going to go meet with him. Mm-hmm. God used him to tell me in advance what was going to happen in my marriage, my divorce, mm-hmm. and how to... He agreed with you, by the way, See, his situation's got some unique stuff to it. You're going to love this man. You are going to love this man. This weekend, Sunday, is going to be a tremendous blessing. Tremendous. So then, quickly, I go tonight to the school. He encourages me, prays for me. This is a big deal for him because he's had to go through all of this with his kids. So he's praying for me, heavy on his heart about this. I go to the school. I listen to Psalm 77 and Psalm 91 in the car on the way there. I'm prayed up. I get out of the car. Father, I have not received a spirit of timidity, but of love and of courage and of self-discipline and power. I am going to walk into this building. Everything's going to be fine. I walk into the building. I see Greg Mills' wife, Tawanda. There's kids and parents everywhere. Greg was the pastor. Mm. She's nice, comes and gives me a hug, but doesn't offer me a whole lot of help. So I'm kind of like, mm, all right, I'm okay with it. I walk away. She follows me with a student over to the building. 
walk in, there's parents everywhere, I'm all by myself, I don't really know where to go, don't know where my kids go to their class, mm -hmm. so I ask around, I go in, I meet the teachers, I was really blessed, two of them were exceptionally nice to me, the other two were nice too, I'm in the last teacher's office, teacher's room, Chelsea's room with her little booklet, and I'm looking at it, Chelsea comes walking in. No. Oh. Chelsea comes walking in while I'm in her classroom. Daddy! She comes up in front of these other parents and the teacher gives me a big old hug. I pick her up and I'm just doing this and oh baby, I love you, blah, blah, blah. She goes, I gotta go tell the other kids. Oh. She jumps down, runs out in the hallway. Guys, in front of everybody, <laughs> Dad's here. He's in my classroom. <laughs> they come running in and tackle me. Boy, did I feel like a hero. Here I walk in. Is the in. teacher watching all this? Yes, the teacher and another set of parents. They come in. I must have gotten four kisses from my twins, from Nathan. Tyler's all oh, over. Tyler gives me three hugs. Oh. We're standing in this small little area. Guess who comes walking in behind? No. No. I haven't seen him in two years. Who? Grandpa. The man who oh. kissed the man who kissed me like Judas kissed yeah. Jesus. Oh. One month before, he would spend $40,000 to assault me, betray me, and bully me. The man who I showed you yep. just yesterday wrote those words in my Bible. Yep. I haven't seen him in two years. He came walking in right behind him. The kids are all over me, tackling me. I had absolutely not one ounce of anything but respect in my heart for that man. And I said, this is, I told the teacher, this is Grandpa. And I said, hey, Grandpa. And I reached over and shook his hand and smiled at him. No smile. Straight. He was, he's, he's in the stronghold. He's eat up with it. And it's uncomfortable for him. I'm completely comfortable. The peace of God is all over me. I'm able to engage with my children. Be respectful. Not one lick of fear. Never has this happened before. There's always been some sort of a fear or intimidation. None. None. And out of respect for him, I said, guys, I've already been to all of your, your teachers and met your classes. They just got there. I said, so go with Grandpa. Go do your thing. And he grabbed her paperwork. And I said, yeah, you know, let them have that. She tried to give it to me. And I'm like, I live out of state. Just we'll give this to the mom. And he said, well, I'll take that. And, and so they ended up leaving. And I said, guys, I'll see you on Monday for lunch. And then I just kind of, in respect of him, instead of following them around and being a distraction, I just kind of let them go. I walked out of that school feeling 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I know the enemy is going to come in now and try and steal the joy, but I'm riding the joy. But that was the redemption for what, the attack last night. That's right. It's all about the redemption. Amen, man. Mm -hmm. It's all about the I'm redemption. I'm so proud of you. And see, that threw hot coals in his lap. You didn't have to That's what Antonio said. He yeah. said, Mike, even if that man spends another 40000 he's never going to be able to remove what he just witnessed. That's right. It was a man, it was a blessing. It was a blessing. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Wow. The man who told those kids, Your father doesn't love you anymore, he doesn't have any money, who said, Your father's going to be judged because he has a girlfriend. The man who said, If you say you want to live with your dad, you're going to be guilty. That man can walk in the room. The greatest testimony I have is not one lick of anger. I had compassion. On the way home, I prayed for him. Good. I had a vision of him one day calling and apologizing to him. And I said, 
it's okay. I forgive you for what you or the devil meant for evil, God has meant for good. And this has been the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. I could see myself saying that to him. I'm a changed person. Michael Criswell could have never done that. That's my testimony. That is amazing. Praise the Lord in heaven. Absolutely. That is so cool. I may not have for circumstances that anybody would want to have. I may not have squat for a pot to pee in. I may not have anything the world desires that says God is with me. But man, my heart having been transformed from the inside out is all the proof I need. My God has been with me and I prosper in the land of Babylon. Absolutely. Well, you got the stuff money can't buy. Mm-hmm. And you also have the stuff that can't be stolen unless you give it. I asked twice today. I said, Father, please refresh my spirit. I need my spirit to be refreshed. My spirit was refreshed twice today, yeah. three times in a huge way. Yeah. Today is August 17th. I got um, attacked pretty good last night. Last night was the time I had the phone call with the kids where everything was just really weird. And um, Tyler mentioned he saw 666 twice to ask me if anything bad was going on. And two of the kids, for the first time ever, didn't want to take the time to talk to me right then. Kaylee said, give me a minute. Phone was handed to Nathan. Nathan said, I'm playing a Game Boy. Give it to Kaylee. This has never happened. Um, Everybody sounded different. Ashley did. Tyler did. He sounded like he was back to his old kind of down self. And I could just tell this was the enemy having a heyday. Find out that he's going to be a teacher at their school full time. And so is their grandmother now. And um, went to sleep last night. Little feeling provoked. Prayed. Spent some time in the Word. Sure enough, woke up at 3 o'clock. Bam. This hasn't happened in, I don't know, months, weeks, at least months. Woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning wrestling with it all. Found myself in court. Enemy accusing me, trying to get me riled up. And so now I've woke up today and I'm having a lack of sleep. Today's devotion for Charles Stanley is Psalm 40, 1 through 7. I will wait patiently upon the Lord. And it's all about patience. I open up my word, and I'm just looking through a couple of things, and um, I land on page, or James chapter 5, verse 7, be patient. It's called patience and suffering. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other. Um, and then he goes on to say, uh, don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So Job has now been brought up three times in the last 24 hours, once by Norma, yesterday's devotion on Charles Stanley was how to hold on by, by Job, by uh, In Touch Ministries, and then today, here in James 5 too. So God's telling me to hang in there. It's difficult, but He's telling me to hang in there. But I can do it with His help. I've seen 1222, or I've seen 222 twice in the last... 60 seconds once on my phone and then I hung up a phone call and then I saw it on um, the phone in the car and I'm like okay Lord what am what am I seeing that for I'm on my way to see Brent right now and I've noticed that 
almost every time I go to see him, I have seen, it seems like, 222 near those appointments. And I'm wondering if he's going to, because he's always wanting to talk business and you need to be involved in this and you need to do this. I'm wondering if he is going to, you know, invite me to participate in some kind of business thing and God's telling me to, warning me in advance, no of it. That's what I sense. So I'm going to, it'll be interesting to see if in fact he is going to invite me to be a part of something or mention some business thing or what have you. And if it does, then I'll know I need to say I need to say no to that. I just wanted to capture this and journal it. I think I told, uh, as a matter of fact, I know I told Larry and Trish last night when I was recording the just awesome day I had yesterday. I said, I know there's a pattern now. I said, it won't be long. Here I am celebrating and I'm on this high. I said, the enemy, the joy killer, will be in shortly to try and take this away. Sure enough, last night, another night of um, spiritual attack at nighttime. This is two times now, two two nights in a row um, and I haven't had this happen in, in several months that I can think of. It seems like it's always worse when I'm here in Florida. But um, I went to bed, fell asleep. I, I was on my knees praying and had a nice, easy way to go to sleep, felt peace. Woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I knew it was 3. Rolled over, looked at the thing. It was three zero zero three o'clock on the dot. I had had this weird dream that I was sleeping in the driveway of my mother and I's old house on Morgan Street. And my mom had come over to visit me in the driveway for some reason. And then she kind of went away to another house. I got up to go to the bathroom and it's nighttime. I went inside the front door in the carport area, went inside the house, turned immediately left to open the door to go into the bathroom. And as I moved it, somebody pushed against it. Meaning there was two people I knew that had broken into our house while I'm out there laying, camping, sleeping in the driveway, whatever I'm doing. So now there's these two people in the house. I'm totally afraid. I'm actually just had a shot of adrenaline come through me at this very moment saying that. And I'm trying to push against the door and get in there to where they're at. And they won't let me in. And I don't really remember all that happened in that dream. I don't remember if they chased me around the house or if I ended up getting out and calling the police or what. It was just weird, weird dream. Um, I was going to try and I almost feel like I wrestled with them and I was going to be calling the police, but for some reason I just can't remember that part of the dream. So I wake up having that dream and I'm laying there and I'm thinking about, you know, I I, try, I went back to sleep, I believe, for, for a little bit of time. I think I probably went back to sleep in about 30 minutes, about 3.30. So at 4.30, I wake up around 4.30, I hear this horrific cat sound right behind my window. It's right outside my bedroom window going, you know, just, I mean, just a horrible, horrible sound this cat was making. And I immediately knew what this was because of the cat at, at, um, Via de Cristo where this cat intruded into our, uh, morning ceremony where we were going to have church. And this cat was making all this noise and being very disturbing. It was a black cat, and I spoke in the name of Jesus Christ to that thing because I knew that was a demonic spirit that was influencing that cat, and it went away instantly by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. So I knew instantly what this was. I prayed against it. It went away. Three minutes later, bam, it came back. And it was like because my first time it woke me up, so I wasn't very, you know, I wasn't fully awake to speak against it. So this next time I lifted my head towards it, spoke directly, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Leave me alone. I bind you up and cast you away from here. Get away from me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that cat, and I, I laid down and then I prayed, Lord Jesus, because I just didn't have any energy. I just prayed, Lord Jesus, please give me peace. And that cat never spoke again, never said anything again, went away. So I knew that was a full-on demonic attack there. I go back to sleep, I think. I'm awake for a while. And I I went back to sleep, I think, at about 6 o'clock. I couldn't have slept more than 30 minutes. It might have been longer, but it seems like just as I went to sleep, I wake up with a horrible dream. I'm in a kitchen talking to Steve Benton. And Steve Benton is sharing the testimony of what God has done in his life. And he was talking about demonic attack and how he stood against Satan. And he begins to recite scriptures that that almost don't exist. Like, I can't remember them. They were very bizarre, very weird. I, I just don't even remember what exactly he was saying. I just remember them being weird. And he begins to explain that the demons pulled on him. And he describes it almost like, and he says, it's almost like the feeling of a rapture, like you're being raptured. And he gets down on his knees and he reaches out with one hand towards me as if to explain, to, to demonstrate, you know, he's fighting them off. And he's like got this one hand out going, you know, like, you know, like he's being pulled by the demons. The next thing I know, and of course, he's just demonstrating what he did in order to fight him, you know, and how he became this godly man. The next thing I know he has sunken below the tiles. He is being pulled below the tiles in this kitchen. It is the most bizarre thing. The only thing I can see, he's no longer able to speak. His head is below the tiles. The top of the back of his head is sticking out of the tiles. His butt is sticking out of the tiles. His back is completely gone. His legs are completely gone. I think I can see his feet and one of his hands. Everything else is below the surface like he's below water. It's the weirdest Thing. I can't see anything below the tile except for that part of his body which is exposed. And immediately I begin to flip out and I'm like, in the name of Jesus Christ, because I realize it's almost like demons are trying to pull him under the tile. And I'm like, in the name of Jesus, and I can't say it. I think I get it out one time and then all of a sudden I feel this force. It feels like gravity. Like I, I describe it the feeling of being in one of those gravitational um, gravitron things where you get in and, and you're, you're, you're being pushed down. It's like the force of gravity or G's, G forces being pushed down on you. Like what a pilot might experience when they're under heavy G's and they pull into a, a flight, you know, they pull up. That's exactly what it felt like. I couldn't say help. I couldn't say in the name of Jesus Christ. And right there in my dream, I was conscious in my dream of the fact that my friend Antonio Phillips had just explained to me about having an encounter with one of Satan's generals and he was not able to speak the name of Jesus Christ. And I thought, gosh, how could that be? And I, I even pondered it that night when I went to bed. Lord, let it never be that I'm ever in a situation. I said this very thing. Let it never be that I'm in a situation where I can't ever utter the name Jesus Christ. But if I am, I'm fully at your disposal and I'm at your mercy. And then I had that dream and that just flipped me out. I woke up at 6.30 just going, I can't believe this. He is just after me. I had some, a little bit of fear in the middle of the night because you know you're halfway awake and that's why you get attacked at night because you're vulnerable, you're weak. And so I, um, I just, I woke up this morning and I was just like, oh man, he's messing with my sleep. 
you know, this big thing's happening tomorrow with all of my Christian friends coming over and I know God's going to do something wonderful there and the enemy's trying to get me tired before it comes. I can see this happen and trying to wear me out. This morning I shared this with Larry and with Trish. And Trish said something. Larry said, consider writing it on paper, holding it up to the Lord. Trish said, begin to bind the enemy to silence defensively and proactively in advance. She says, I hear you mention a lot of times, you know, I think Satan's going to be attacking. She says, I wouldn't say that anymore either. Quit declaring that and begin binding him up. And she even suggests that I do this every day. I get out of bed with my mother to bind the enemy from speaking to her because he's exacerbating our relationship by being able to speak and influence her, causing me strife, uh, causing me, you know, difficulties. So a bunch of learning lessons, very, very valuable thing. And, and um, even Larry said again, you know, it just shows you're on the right path. And of course, that's, I almost don't even need to hear that anymore. It's just blatantly obvious. Um, in the middle of the night, I did hear that Second Thessalonians scripture uh, came to me where God's been showing me 303. Second Thessalonians 3, 3 says, But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. So I just began claiming that in the middle of the night, and uh, today I'm free of fear. I'm a little tired, but I'm absolutely free of fear. Um, I'm becoming more used to this, and now I feel like the Lord is encouraging me to continue to stand up, proactively fight, and I think God is just continuing to teach me how to do spiritual warfare. I'm learning. I've come a long way in this since just February of 2009. God's been teaching me a tremendous amount. Hi, this is Michael in 2019. Again, I've stepped outside while I'm editing this recording. I want to add a little important point into this recording that one of the things that happens later in my relationship with Trish and Larry, whom to this day I still adore as human beings is, and as Christ followers, is that we began to separate in our understanding of some pretty core doctrines and theology about how God actually works in our lives. And I got to the point where we started to have more and more disagreement. What's going to happen is in this 2012 time that you hear me now, I'm really still learning a great deal. I'm learning so rapidly and there's a lot of things I still have to unlearn, but I'm going to begin to learn more and more over the next couple of years. And it's going to create more separation between myself and a number of my friends. I'm going to actually find myself separating from them because I can no longer agree on some pretty fundamental, what I believe fundamental doctrines are. But this is one example of those where you hear my friend Trish believes that you can bind Satan to silence, that you can bind Satan. And this is a very popular teaching in the charismatic circles of binding and loosing. It comes out of Matthew chapter 18. And it's a teaching that's been taken completely out of context of what it means. It has to do with authority and the disciplining of the church. Whereas if a spiritual member of the church disciplines uh, somebody, uh, a mature elder member in the church, two or three gather together in prayer, if you agree about anything on earth, it will be bound in heaven. If you look at the context, it's all about church discipline, like uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, when Paul says to expel the immoral brother from among you. And he says, I am not with you physically, but I'm with you in spirit, and I've already judged this man. So 
there is this sense of authority that exists in the disciples and also in mature believers where God honors the discipline. So for example, if you and I were living in a church family, a community, and I'm your elder in Christ, and I discipline you in agreement with um, somebody else that's a mature believer, and we go to the Word of God in prayer, and we see that you are to be disciplined, the Bible says that God will honor our disciplining of you, and that whatever we bind as an agreement about you, or whatever we loose about you on earth, it will be done for us in heaven. So it's about spiritual discipline, and it's about church discipline. It is not about binding and loosing Satan. I see no such teaching in Scripture whatsoever. In fact, my greatest argument for this teaching would be 1 Thessalonians 2.18, where Paul himself, the greatest of all Christians, in my opinion, says, For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. So the question then becomes, if binding and loosing is a principle that applies to Satan, Why couldn't Paul just bind Satan in that moment and in many other moments where he stopped him and prevented him from doing what he wanted to do? Instead, Paul says, but I will pray that the Lord himself will make a way for us in this to come to you. He does not set about, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind you to silence. No, that is a false teaching. And as evidenced by, I was around Larry and Trish enough and around enough other people that believe in this teaching where I've seen that they practice this on people around them. For example, they practice believing that you could bind Satan to silence and they would say, I bind you Satan to silence in Jesus' name, so forth and so on. And then when you look at the fruit of that, you begin to see it just does not work like that because it is not a principle that's in Bible. You cannot bind Satan. You cannot. What you can do is speak against him in the name of Jesus Christ. For example, I have been able to run him off in ways where I've seen uh, spirits attack me, either while I'm sleeping or in the middle of prayer. And I can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you get away from me right now. And I have to tell you, not 90% of the time, 100% of the time, that has happened that they leave. Another thing that I find that's so interesting is, is that as I have matured in my faith, these things do not happen anymore. These, these attacks that you're hearing me talk about that were relentless, this is a time of testing. Remember Luke 8, 13? There's a time of testing and persecution for new believers. So this is a time of testing that's happening for me that no longer happens. I rarely, rarely have any kind of demonic attacks or influences or issues like that. Now it's all about him standing against, uh, you know, spiritual forces of evil, standing against what God would have me do. But none of this silly attacking you in your sleep stuff that rarely, I'm telling you, it amazes me when I go back and hear my recordings, how much this was prevalent during my uh, maturing years in Christ. It was like he was really coming at me to try to stop me. And now this is not happening anymore, okay? And it's rarely, very rare. So again, the way you bind Satan is by keeping on the breastplate of righteousness and abiding in Christ. If he is in you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Christ in you cannot be overcome, but Christ is pleased to allow the devil to take shots at us. Just like in Revelation, it says he's been given power over the saints. So God gives power to the devil 
over the saints sometimes. And a saint cannot say, I bind you to silence. I bind you to the pit. I bind you. That's all a bunch of nonsense. And so to me, it becomes very dangerous when you believe these kind of things as a Christian. And again, I did not yet understand um, these truths. And so when a Christian continues to believe these things, to me, that's a dangerous Christian. And I don't want to be around them because they're practicing principles that are not bound in the authority uh, and the truth of God's word. They're not. You cannot find any evidence of this in Scripture. Again, if you want to bind Satan's works in your life, you do this through prayer, faith, and obedience. If you have those three things, four, humility. If you have humility before God and you humble yourselves before God and resist Satan, the Bible says, you don't bind him. The Bible doesn't say bind Satan and his demons. It says resist him. His number one thing is to hit hit you with thoughts. That's how he attacks me now is thoughts and temptations. How do I resist Satan? How do I defeat him? I humble myself before God and say, God, I need help if it's too much. I say, God, I need help on this. And then I pick up the sword of the Spirit. I find words of faith. And I say, God, you have said, 2 Thessalonians 3.3, you are faithful and you will strengthen and protect me against every evil attack. I quote scriptures just like Jesus quoted to Satan. That's how you bind Satan is quoting scriptures. And I depend almost entirely. I do very little talking to Satan. Very little. Very rarely is it ever necessary. Kind of like Martin Luther. In one moment, he has to throw his ink jar and pen at the at Satan because he's just being tormented and he throws it across the room as if Satan's in the room there with him. But this is rare that you would have that kind of an, uh, an encounter. Most often, you survive spiritual attacks simply by resisting through prayer and faith and relying upon the Word of God and just standing as it teaches us in Ephesians 6. You have to stand. So I want to make this clear. I do not in any way believe in this binding and loosing teaching as it relates to Satan. I've taught in greater depth on this and other messages, but it's important. I want to make this point because there's a lot of things in this recording that I'm not fully um, walking and understanding on yet. There's many things that I'm going to grow out of, and there's many things that I'm going to grow up in even more strongly. But it is amazing to me to look at my life now compared to seven years ago where I was just getting all this harassment. God keeps me now. It's so much better. It's a different kind of suffering now, but it's not that kind of like kindergarten demonic stuff that happens in the very beginning when you start walking with the Lord. There is much more peace that you can have, and it's, uh, it's wonderful. As you can see, even Paul, he speaks of Satan just impeding his ability to come to them. It's not necessarily that he's being woken up in the middle of the night by dreams and tormented by dirty devils and stuff like that. So may God bless you as you continue to listen. The last few days have been very, very action-packed. In fact, this whole trip to Florida this time has been so action-packed. And I just want to kind of do a highlight. Um, this Today could be the last day. It very well could be. I'm not predicting that it is, but today very well could be the last day of an incredibly long and incredibly difficult season of my life. I mean, literally today could be one of the last days. There is something on the horizon. There is an opportunity before me that could be uh, course-altering, life-changing season starting. I mean, that I, uh, I'm just so excited about it. I'm very tired today. Um, yesterday was a marathon event from 1.30 to 9 o'clock last night. There were eight of us sitting in Larry's living room 
sharing and listening to each other's stories of what their backgrounds were, what God has done in their lives, and they were some of the most powerful, dramatic life stories you could ever assemble in one room. It was just incredible. I videotaped the entire thing um, just from like a, a documentary standpoint, you know, just kind of cameras in the background capturing it and it literally was like as Todd Bowerly one of my friends there said drinking from a fire hose all day long we are me Larry and Trish are just really uh, tired today as a result of this the thing that sparked this journal entry is the fact that I'm on my way to the beach to set up a surprise engagement proposal for Larry and Trish I gave Larry this idea of taking her to the beach and having her and him be walking down the beach and near a sand dune they find a bottle and in the bottle is a note that they can't imagine where it came from that has some of the lyrics from the song In God's Time written on it and then as Larry would discover sand in the bottom he would begin to pour it out and into his hand would come a diamond engagement ring of which he would then take in his hand get on his knee and ask her and I would be hiding in the woods having set all this up videotaping it so I'm so excited that I'm going to get the opportunity to do this I'm on my way to the beach and I see a sign that is the most unique number I have seen of all the numbers so far I see a phone number as I'm driving to the beach you know being in this season of my life I see 1-800 or what have you 666-777 and immediately come to my mind was the message Adrian Rogers delivers when he talks about that when Jesus Christ returns, the second coming of Christ will be when he turns the 666 into a 777 and that I felt was so metaphorical for what I believe God is getting ready to do in this season of my life. He's been showing me 777 for a long time to let me know this season is almost over. Hang in there. Uh, this season is almost complete. There has been a non-stop battle against 666. There has been much evil that has come against me. God has uh, recently been showing me 303, which is 2 Thessalonians 303. He will strengthen you and uphold you against evil strengthen you to stand against him and and guard you against evil I, I need to memorize the scripture clearly I don't have it memorized so all of this has been going on well in the background I always see 666 several times when I come to Florida I feel this spiritual oppression many times the enemy is just on me and this is also <clears throat> a place where there's much fruit I come down here and it's a time of spiritual refreshment um, it's often revelatory. I leave going home having learned from the Holy Spirit multiple things, such as the case for this time. And this time I had planned a visit that God had given me a vision of a bunch of friends of mine getting together, sharing these stories as we did yesterday to really just encourage one another and to turn God's glory that's buried inside of us inside out. And I had two nights of tremendous spiritual attack. I mean, Two, one night, two terrible dreams, and I know what must have been a demon manifesting through a cat. Uh, 
which is well known uh, by those who know that the enemy can easily take over animals because they don't resist. And this cat sat outside my bedroom window at 3 o'clock in the morning making the most evil sound you can imagine. I had to be rebuking it in the name of Jesus Christ, speaking against the enemy, using that cat and silencing it. And it finally left. And I just, two nights of this in a row, left me um, sleep deprived. And I believe the enemy was trying to disrupt what would happen on Sunday. Well, put that on pause for a minute. Rewind three or four days earlier. I had a meeting with a friend of mine named Jim McMail. Two or three days before coming to Florida, I received an email from a friend that I had known for year, uh, 10 years ago that I hadn't seen or talked to in about 10 years. He contacts me out of the blue, having seen my story, and then suggests that he would like to get together with me when I come to, if I'm you know, around. And I said, oh, I'm just so happy to be coming to Florida. Let's get together. And I suspected that he wanted to meet with me because he wanted to... Uh, he was probably going through something difficult. Occasionally, somebody will hear my story and contact me because they're going through a difficult season and they want some encouragement. So I suspected this is what it was. And then when he and I met, he tells me about his incredible journey he's been on with business success as a creative person and the businesses that he's owned and the companies he's worked for and how he had gotten kind of to a pinnacle of success having his own company and his own space and kind of a conglomerate he created of other creatives coming together that all were Christians. It was just this really neat story and I was really blessed to hear the success he had given me, given him. He then kind of deferred to my story a little bit and said, hey, I saw your story in the godstories.com. What are you doing with that? And, you know, what's God, you know, up to in your life? And I shared with him this incredible journey of, you know, chasing success, achieving it as a Christian, and then, you know, becoming divided, torn between a love for God and a desire for success. And God, in the end, wins out. I end up losing everything that I thought was what I wanted in life. And at the end of it, I find the only thing worth having, such that I'm like Paul. I lost everything for his sake, and I count it all as loss or rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ. And that now my desire, God willing, is to make a big deal out of Him, revealing His glory in the stories that He's writing in the lives of everyday people that get buried. And as a storyteller and a video guy, I want to bring those stories into the light so that God gets glory glory, and that the people who are hurting most can hear and get hope have hope in what God is doing in the lives of others and what he can do in their life as well. So then he goes back to tell me, well, have you ever heard of Reinhard Bunky? After he tells me that this three and a half year business project he's working on is doing incredibly well, he tells me that God told him to stop. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I was just like, Lord, help me stick to something for you know, can't we stick to something for a while instead of bebopping around? And he says, have you ever heard of Reinhard Bonnke? I said, are you kidding me? I said, I love that guy. I said, I love his art. I said, he has one of the best DVD series I've ever seen in my life that I've been desiring. And he goes, yeah, full flame. And I said, yes. I said, I went to the bookstore looking for them a couple of months ago. They didn't have them. And ever since then, I haven't been able to afford to buy them. But I've been dying to get these, you know, these videos. And he said, well, Mike, that's my boss. And I said, what? And the night before I had this meeting with him, having no idea that he was working for Reinhard Bonnke, I had expressed 
the idea and the desire of my heart that I wanted to contact Billy Graham, any other large evangelical or huge ministries out there, and stir the pot on the idea of using my gifts and talents as a storyteller to and a video guy to go to work with some of these ministries that are out there that I'm mobile. It hit me. Man, I'm mobile. I'm single. I can fly anywhere, anytime with a video camera. I have the skills to interview and make somebody comfortable, to, sh- to shoot the footage, set up all the cameras and the lighting, and then to um, compose or edit the story. And he was... I, I, I had just was telling Larry and Trish the night before that I had the desire to do this. And I was going to maybe take some calls. Well, here it was. This guy is saying, Mike, God told me to tell to call you. And I had no idea why we were supposed to get together. In fact, getting out of the car at the parking lot, I had no idea what God wanted to do while we were even meeting. And so now this guy is telling me he's working for Reinhard Bunky, and he's telling me about all these stories they have from ministry and minister uh, missionaries that go in the field. And long story short, who knows, Mike? Maybe we have a job or maybe there's some freelance work. Who knows? Let's just trust God. And so tomorrow I have a meeting with the producer. And uh, I'm exhausted. I, I can't even talk anymore right now. I'm so tired. But there's something brewing potentially on the horizon that God maybe open a door. And this story would be just so incredible. I've been in the cave. I've been beat down. I've been persecuted. I've been destroyed, basically. Everything's been taken from me. I've been sitting on the bench, learning from the coach, and then begging, Coach, put me in the game. Put me in the game. I'm ready. Put me in the game. Um, I cannot wait to see what's going to happen, but I just was so excited to see this whole 666-777. As if three sevens wouldn't have been enough, the fourth seven shows it triumphs over the 666. There's just something so cool about that. And uh, so I'm praying that, in fact, maybe this is the season change. Very much looking forward to this. This could be really incredible. So anyhow, I'm tired. Got to go through a toll.